everyone my name is William Porter welcome to this edition of storytelling time this podcast is sponsored by every dot black entrepreneurs podcasting network today's podcast is a previously recorded interview that I had with Ray Thompson so here's that interview thank you Ray for being with us my pleasure first of all tell our listening audience about yourself and your profession well Uh, My name is Ray Thompson, as you have mentioned, and uh, I am from New Brunswick, New Jersey, and uh, that's somewhat central New Jersey. And um, I was born to an assistant pastor and a missionary. Uh, My father was the assistant pastor at the church where we grew up, and uh, life was wonderful growing up um, in a Christian-based home. And uh, my parents were very, very strict, uh, but yet they were very loving. I did my elementary school uh, in high school years in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, I left New Brunswick and went to uh, Washington, D.C. to attend Howard University. It was there I met the love of my life. And um, as soon as I saw her, I kind of knew that she would be my wife. And um, after now soon to be 27 years. We have been together. We've raised two children, a son and a daughter, and uh, life has just been wonderful. And um, throughout the years, um, I was ordained as a minister and then licensed, uh, licensed as a minister and ordained as an elder in the Church of God in Christ. And so life has just been wonderful. Well, thank you uh, for that, Ray. Uh, And before we get started with Ray's story, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. As you know, Ray, this show is about providing people with inspiration. And you have a story that is inspirational, to say the least. I know because you've mentioned some of it to me. But I want you to tell our listening audience about your amazing story. Well, let me share. Um, It somewhat started in uh, December of 2016. Um, I was feeling a little ill, um, fatigue. Uh, unable to eat. Uh, My stomach had filled up with fluid and um, my extremities were, um, I had fluid in my extremities and um, it was somewhat of a rough time for me. And so I went to the doctors and the doctor said to me, um, well, what we're going to do is we're going to increase your diuretic uh, so that you can release this fluid and uh, I want you to get plenty of rest. So I went home and told my wife what happened. And she said, she said, Ray, did you tell the doctor everything? And I said, well, I told him a few things. And uh, she said, no, 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 you need to tell him everything. She said, well, better yet, the next time I'm going to the doctor with you. I was a little taken back simply because um, I felt like I was a grown man and I could go to the 
to the doctors on my own. Uh, but she said, I'm going with you anyway. So the next time I went to the doctors, my wife accompanied me. And uh, so we went to the doctors and I shared with the doctor everything that was going on. My wife interrupted me and told the doctor everything. And so she told the doctor everything. And the doctor looked at me and he said, Ray, said, are all of those things going on? And I said, yeah, yeah, all of those things are going on. And um, he said, I want you to go and get this MRI done immediately. He says, and I'm going to call you with the results. So believe it or not, he called me at 9.30 p.m. at night. And um, he told me, he said, there's something going on with your liver. He says, but I don't know what it is. He said, but I want you to go see a gastroenterologist. So I made an appointment to go see the gastroenterologist. It was around the holidays, so I could not get in until uh, January 3rd. Well, it just so happened uh, New Year's Eve was coming, and my wife and I, as custom, uh, we typically will go to church on New Year's Eve night. And so we went to church. We hadn't been to this church before. Um, I didn't know the pastor. She didn't know me. And uh, after a wonderful message, an awesome service, uh, she began to prophesy after the midnight, after the midnight hour. She began to prophesy and she came to me and she told me, she said, you're sick. And she said, but you have to go through this process. And so I kind of looked at her very strangely because I didn't, I was trying to figure out, well, how do you even know that I'm sick? She said, but let me just tell you, this sickness is not until death. And so I kind of buried that in my heart and kind of took it along with me. Well, I went to the gastroenterologist on January the 3rd, and uh, he sent me to have lab works done. And also he sent me to the hospital to have a periocentesis done, which was the uh, removal of the fluid in my abdomen. So I had that done. The first time I had it done, they took out a liter of fluid. This next week I had had it done again and they took out four liters of fluid. I had it done the following week and they took out another four liters. Well, we had arrived at the 27th of, of um, January by this point and my wife had to take me to the doctors. But this particular day I was unable to even think straight. I was unable to do anything on my own. So my wife had to dress me from head to toe. And after she dressed me from head to toe, she put my coat on and sent me to the car. Off we went to the doctor. And then from the doctors, we went to the hospital where I had another procedure done. They drained some more fluid. And from there, I went to the ER. From the ER, they admitted me into the hospital. And that night, my children drove from North Carolina up to Pennsylvania where I was. And um, they got there and I didn't even know who they were. They were like strangers to me because I did not recognize them. And so um, what happened was I was in the hospital in York, Pennsylvania for about five days and then they transferred me to Hershey Medical Hospital in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I got to Hershey and the, uh, that following day, the um, doctor came to me and he said, Mr. Thompson, I got some news for you. And I said, okay, what's your news? And he said, well, I wanna let you know that your liver is failing and you need a liver transplant. And so I was kind of shocked and startled by that. And so I said to him, I said, what do you mean I need a liver transplant? He said, you need a liver transplant. And if you have it here, you'll have to stay here in Pennsylvania for a year after the transplant. 
I said, well, I can't do that because I don't live here. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. So he said, well, you'll have to discuss that with the social worker to be transferred to another hospital. And so my wife began to work on that. Well, later on that day, that was a Thursday. Later on that day, uh, my mother-in-law had come to visit me along with my, my wife's first cousin. And we were in the room talking and laughing. And the nurse came in to observe my, my, my vitals. And she came in, she looked at my vitals, and she ran back out. And I couldn't figure out why she ran back out. Well, she came back in with another nurse, and they looked at my vitals. They went back out, and they came in back with a doctor. At this point, I knew something was wrong. So I began to ask my wife, what's going on? And she said to me, she said, don't worry about it. Just be calm. And I said, no, you need to tell me what's going on. And after several times asking my wife, she finally told me, she said, your blood pressure just crashed. And so I looked at her and I said, what do you mean it just crashed? She said, your blood pressure just crashed. She said, but just be calm. So I said, well, what is my blood pressure? And so she looked at me and she wouldn't tell me. So I kept asking her over and over again. So finally, she told me, she said, your blood pressure is 50 over 30. I was startled. I was just startled. And what was supposed to happen was I was either supposed to go into a coma or I was supposed to flatline. Neither one of those things happened. It was only by the power of God that I was still talking and able to talk and come to find out I was bleeding internally and I didn't know it. And so ultimately, uh, they gave me blood products and everything and uh, got my blood to clot. And uh, we kind of went on with the rest of the day. And shortly thereafter, um, we had visitors and things like that throughout the day. And that went on for a couple of days. And so on Saturday, um, doctors and nurses came in my room and strapped me to my bed and said, we're on our way to Raleigh, North Carolina. And so I said, okay, let's go. And so on we went to Raleigh, North Carolina in this medical jet. So I had a grand entrance into Raleigh because I came in on a medical jet. I got to Duke Hospital and that whole week was filled with lots of testing. I had a stress test done, an MRI. They did a dental test. I mean, all kinds of tests until I got up to that Saturday. Now, every day, my chances of survival diminished greatly. When I flew to Raleigh, I had a 50-50 chance of survival. But throughout that week, my chances of survival diminished every day. Until we got to Saturday, the doctors came in and said, Mr. Thompson, you're on the transplant list. I said, yes, I made it. And so I was on the transplant list and now I was now waiting for a liver. And so uh, that Sunday they came to my wife and they said, we got a liver. Believe it or not, we just put them on the transplant list and we got a liver. Well, they came back to her that afternoon and they said, well, we got to take him off the transplant list because he has an infection in his body and we need to treat this infection for the next 48 to 72 hours. And so my wife was a little bummed out um, because we thought we had a liver. So they began to treat the infection. Well, that Sunday night, my kidneys failed and they shipped me off to ICU. Once they shipped me off to ICU, 
They never told my family. They never told me. But my chances of survival went to 1%. They had gone from 50% down to 1%. I had 99 chances against me and 1% for me. And so uh, that was Sunday night. That Monday, my mother came in from New Jersey. She flew down just to see and check on me. And uh, she spent the next three weeks with me. And um, when she got there, the nurse asked me, she said, do you know this lady? And I said, yes. I said, that's my mama. I said, I know exactly who she is. And so um, we began to talk and fellowship with one another. And so that Tuesday, I stopped talking. I didn't communicate anymore. Um, I just kind of laid there with my eyes closed and I was in a different world. Um, I know that I went to this place. I can't describe this place, but I know it was peaceful. And so that Tuesday night, my wife went home. Um, she was quite distraught. She went home and she, she told, she went home and she prayed and she told the Lord, she said, Lord, she said, you said that Ray had to go through this, but now it's affecting me. She says, and I need you to move and I need you to move quickly. Well, she went back to the hospital on Wednesday, her and my mother. They went back to the hospital and she was told that morning that they found another liver. And that Thursday, they prepped me for surgery. And I went into surgery on that Thursday um, for a liver transplant. Uh, the surgery was seven hours, seven plus hours long. I came out of surgery that night. And I was asleep and I slept from Thursday night all the way to Saturday morning, um, just uninterrupted sleep. And I woke up Saturday morning and I began to talk and communicate with everyone. But that Saturday afternoon, the doctor said that I went into this state of delirium where I was just continually to talk, just talking. And However, I remember, and I can still see it even today, that I was talking to a shadow, and I firmly believe I was talking to God. And I talked to God from Saturday afternoon until Sunday night, continually. No one else could understand what I was saying around me, but I was communicating with God. Well, Sunday night, they gave me some strong medicine that put me to sleep, and I went to sleep. That Monday morning, I woke up. I went back into surgery later on that day because they had to clean out some fluid in my abdomen. Um, after that day, I got stronger and stronger. After five weeks in the hospital, I then went to rehab for three weeks. After rehab or while in rehab, I had to learn how to walk all over again. I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to get in and out of a car. I had to learn how to get in and out of bed. All of these basic things I had to relearn all over again. And so it was an uphill battle. But God was with me every step of the way. And so uh, I was discharged from rehab on March the 27th. I had been in the hospital for now eight weeks. And uh, it was just an incredible time in my life. And after going through this experience, I now feel that I have a story to share with just millions of people, and I'm now looking forward to doing that very thing. 
So, William, thank you so much for allowing me to share my testimony with you and your listeners on today. And I am just grateful, grateful just to be alive. That's amazing. Such amazing story. Let's take another break now and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Ray, I know how much your family has meant to you during this whole ordeal, and you've mentioned quite a bit about that, especially your wife. Uh, do you have anything else to add uh, in reference to that? Well, I will say that my wife was just a, a rock. She was a steady rock throughout this entire ordeal, and um, she was with me in the hospital every single day, the entire eight weeks. Um, every day she was there at 730 in the morning and didn't leave until eight o'clock at night. And my wife would say to me as she would leave at night, she would say to me, she would say, do you trust God? And I would look at her and say, yes, with my very life. And she said, OK, keep breathing and I'll see you in the morning. So those were her words to me every night. Yes, that's great. That's great. Now, what about this book? You uh, uh, touched on that. And I really anticipate this book coming out. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, through this ordeal, my wife and I got together and we penned a book. And the book is entitled 1%. And it shall be released. Um, I'm anticipating that the book will be released by the middle of July and um, of 2018. And um, it just describes everything. It describes the entire ordeal. And um, we are also launching a website that will be able to be found at thompsonlifeline.com will be the website uh, that we have uh, created, which will also uh, be available in about three weeks. Um, so the book as well as the website will be launched. Again, the book is entitled 1%, spelled out, 1%. Well, thank you a lot. We'll be looking for it. And uh, again, Ray's story once again shows us how God himself manifests himself to us as humans, sometimes in very dramatic fashion, to say the least. And I understand that many of us realize God, God's work in our lives, but it's stories like this one that you just heard that we can easily and without reservation give God total praise. Well, that's our show for today. Again, I want to recognize Every Dot Black Entrepreneurs Podcasting Network, the sponsor of this show. And thank you, our listening audience, for being with us. And remember, regardless of what you may be going through, there is always more more good things coming your way. We'll see you the next time. Suffering with a speech impediment, labeled mentally retarded, and held back in the first grade. Dr. Joe L. Dudley Sr. defied all the odds and became one of the most influential health and beauty industry icons the world has ever seen. 
be motivated, encouraged, and inspired as you listen to how one man turned his struggles into strategies and his shortcomings into success. Listen to his legacy at www.patreon.com slash Joe Dudley Sr. That's www.patreon.com slash Joe Dudley Sr. The Dr. Joe L. Dudley Sr. Legacy Project is sponsored by Every.Black. No.net and No.com. Just Every.Black. .black is the new.com. We as a people have had to overcome slavery and secondly obtain our civil rights. But the third piece is economic equality. And I'm convinced that we can only achieve economic equality through entrepreneurship with the use of technology. My name is Jimmy Davies, and that is why I created the Every.Black website for entrepreneurs. So visit us today at www.every.black, E-V-E-R-Y dot B-L-A-C-K. Learn about entrepreneurship and be on your way to financial freedom. Just go to every.black, E-V-E-R-Y dot B-L-A-C-K. No.com, no.net. Just every.black. .black is the new.com. We can help you um, develop some tools and strategies to communicate with your faculty members. I think part of my role is, and it's what I needed when I was starting out in college, because I didn't know nothing. I think early action is very valuable for students who are pretty sure about a school, but maybe there are some questions that they have, particularly around financial aid. Just like uh, if you were going on a road trip with your family, you'd have some preparation to do. We're talking about students, sure, but let's not pretend like even as an adult, it's mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard Absolutely. to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. asking for help. Hey, hey, Dr. Oliver, great to hey. see you. You too. I'm so excited for you to tell us the ins and the outs all about standardized testing. There is no one size fits all. There mm -hmm. is no take the SAT on this date, at this time, at, in this semester. Thank you for joining us today on Educate You. If you wish, you can send me your questions or comments about the college going process or the podcast content by sending an email to drgreta at gretaoliverconsulting.com.